fashion. This is all in for the love of the game. This is Love Set Match. Andre Agassi had this goal, you don't have to be better than everyone else in the draw when you go out on the court. Like, you have to be better than someone that's across the net. I think you got to stay active in a sport sense, you know, go out there, do some sports. I think it always makes you feel better, maybe more tired in the very moment, but actually the rest of the day feels better. And then I think giving back as well, you know, making other people happy is going to give you a good feeling too. Welcome to Tennis Pal Chronicles, the podcast to feed your passion for all things tennis. I'm your host, Philip Kim, also known as Coach PK, the tennis pro for the Langham Huntington Hotel in sunny Southern California. And with me is my awesome co-host, Valerie Garcia. How are you, Valerie? Hey, Philip. Long time no talk. <laughs> it's been too long. I can't believe there's so much going on in your life and I don't know about it. I know, that was that was really strange. I had thought I had, I thought I told you a couple of things, really important things. <laughs> Apparently, I didn't. Really important. Like the biggest news was, oh my gosh, you're going to the Labor Cup. Tell me about that. <laughs> yes, um, I I got. <laughs> Look, I'm an emotional spender, and I got an email saying it was confirmed. Um, the big three and Murray are all playing. <laughs> I know that is huge. I just clicked on clicked on it and I saw that there was like I don't know fourteen tickets left for the for the day that was least expensive. Yeah. So which is Friday, day one. Okay. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm just gonna buy them. Wow. Worst case scenario, I can always resell them. Yeah. Maybe even make some money. So I, I just totally whimsically just bought them. And then I was like, you know what? Uh, I talked to my boss and he said I can work from home or work from not home. Wherever but you are. Work, rem yeah. work remote. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they approved me to do that. And then even when I tried to back out because I started having buyer's remorse, like, what am I doing? <laughs> um, it showed me on the app. Like you can't sell the tickets unless you have a bank account in in the country oh, of in, the event in, in London, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, well, I guess I'm going to the Labor Cup. Oh my gosh, that's incredible! Yes. And that's like so, about a month away, less than a month away. It's less than a month. Yeah, super excited. September twenty third. Are you just going by yourself? Is anybody else going? No, I'm going by my lonesome. I am only going for day one. Um, September 23rd, it's the Friday. So hopefully, I mean, the matches that day are worth only one point. So they won't be as crazy as if I went like Sunday. But let me tell you, just to go to two sessions, day session, night session, wow. for one day. Wow. Was the, the cheapest tickets were like $1,200, wow. which is even more, or maybe 1,200 pounds. I don't know. It was a decent amount of money. So I was like, oh, actually, Saturday and Sunday were sold out anyway. So even if I wanted to spend more, sure. I couldn't have gone. Yeah. Um, but I don't so feel like there's option. a bad day at the Labor Cup. I mean, you know, watching from home has been my only experience, but every day has been so exciting. 
Yeah, so I'm just hoping I get some, I mean, I really would, would love to see some doubles action with some Fidal or even Roger and Djokovic or Djokovic and Nadal. I don't think Djokovic and Nadal, has that happened? I don't think that's happened. I don't think so. I think, I it's, think, I think right. it's only been Roger with one or the other. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Roger yeah. playing with Djokovic is that famous scene where Djokovic hits him in the back, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep, that was that was funny. And then, of course, the, the huge Roger Rafa scene is when Rafa jumps on Rafa top Rafa broke of, his back, broke his back. <laughs> Can you imagine trying to lift Rafa? Oh my gosh, he's just like pure muscle, so heavy. I know. And I and I do think that he really did break Roger's back. <laughs> <laughs> but boy, that precious precious uh a moment, that picture of them just, you know, holding each other, hugging each other, celebrating together. Incredible. Yeah, so I can't wait. Um the only thing that's going to be missing, and this was missing from French, the French Open too, so we're going to have to do something about this, is I need some sort of tennis pal, tennis podcast, um, like t-shirt or, or sweatshirt or hat or something yeah. so that I'm like rocking it at these events. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm going to have to try to get you that for sure from tennis pal. And that's a great reminder to uh, give a shout out to our great friends at Tennis Pal because this podcast is sponsored by Tennis Pal, uh, who is the best app to find people to play tennis with, right? Visit TennisPal.com, download the app today. We're so grateful for them supporting Tennis Pal Chronicles. Yes. So we got to get uh, you a shirt. It is, and it is international. So you can use Tennis Pal if you're in London or wherever, right? And you're looking for to find a local friend to play with. Yeah, it's mostly in the U.S., but I have heard a lot of people outside of the U.S. have been using the app as well. And, you know, small pockets of communities. You know how apps kind of like have a life of their own wherever they are? So it's just... It's based on the community, I think. But, uh, yeah, it is available out there. But uh, I think most of the players that are registered are mostly U.S. players, as far as I know. Well, that, we got to change that. Yeah. Or maybe we just got to edit, edit that out. No. <laughs> well, I mean, you should, you should search, you know, London and see if you can find anyone to meet up with that's going to labor. I'll put it on my Twitter and see if anybody's going and try to hook you up or something because boy these roger fans that are, are following me are just crazy about it you know yes that would be fantastic would that be cool or would that be weird no i don't think it's weird at all um i i can't think of anything less weird than being around people who share a passion for tennis yeah um and a passion for roger because you know i'm going decked out in roger gear absolutely <laughs> absolutely oh by the way i got the new roger rf shirt uh someone gave it to me for my birthday so that was so nice just a very plain black and white one with just the rf on the pocket Oh, yes, For I saw that one. The new Uniqlo shirts, uh, and very nice quality. The, the, it's that kind of stretchy cotton, you know? Mm-hmm. Love it, love it. So nice. that's going to be amazing. You have to just, like, 
you know, be hitting record everywhere you go and just capture the scenes and the sounds of the Labor Cup. And then if you want to, of course, say, here I am at the O2 Arena <laughs> or something. You know? Yes, I know. It's going to be my first time at the O2 Arena as well. So I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a really long day, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, send me some sounds. I mean, that's just going to be amazing. I, I just want to bask in the, the liveness of Valerie being there. I, I feel like my whole tennis uh, career is living through you vicariously. That's all I can do. Nice. For, well, you know, I could drag you with me. I'm, I'm already have my, uh, sights set on the Australian Open 2024. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Like that. I'm going to make it happen. <laughs> so is this, does that mean that's like the whole career slam for you then? It, yes. Technically, I didn't see any Wimbledon matches. I only did the tour. Right, so right. I still te- would have to, I guess, try to get into that tournament. Wow. But. We'll see. I, I'm developing quite a love affair with London, I think. Wow, so, that's so nice. So I, I don't see um, a problem with, with trying to get into Wimbledon every year for the rest of my life, no, <laughs> and t- until it happens. <laughs> and your favorite is the U.S. Open, right, which is happening right now. Yes, love it. Love this tournament. Yeah, this is incredible. And the subject of our podcast, of course, is the GOATs, the great Serena Williams playing at the U.S. Open right now. And who better to talk to than you, our Serena Williams fan favorite reporter, to be able to share your story about Serena Williams and and what she means to you and and why you chose her and why she's your favorite. Well, well, let me start this by asking um i forgot that you met serena <laughs> was it last was it last year it or was earlier last this year? year yeah yeah and i was like oh i i, I think you actually and and like so graciously like the amazing friend that you are tried to like get me to go but for some reason i had some other thing that i had to do <laughs> That day, and of course, I was looking at your picture on Instagram and like kicking myself. Like, why did you? What is it that? I mean, I am happy that I kept whatever obligation that I obviously had, but I feel like some obligations you're allowed to say. Listen, I'm going to meet my favorite tennis player ever, and they'll usually the greatest of all time. Yes, the greatest to play the game. Um, But anywho, how was how was that? It was super amazing. And that reminds me to talk about um, Esther Lee, who actually just um, posted on her Instagram, she's there. So I think Serena flew Esther Lee out to be in her box because she's there at the US Open. She posted a, a video of, you know, that moment where Serena like was jumping because she had won her first match. And so it was just so beautiful. And I should actually you know, direct everybody to E-S-T-A-L-E-E, Esta Lee, uh, on Instagram. And she's the reason that I met Serena Williams, because sadly, as our listeners know, uh, Esther was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And because I work at the Pancreatic Cancer Foundation, 
uh, I met Esther and Esther introduced me to Serena and that's how that whole thing happened because Esther was the physical therapist for uh, Venus and Serena and actually lived with them for four years in, in the same house, traveled with them, was you know on the road all the time with them. And actually Serena credits Esther as saving her life because when Serena apparently had a blood clot, it was Esther who recognized the signs and forced her to go to the hospital. And you can hear that whole story um, on our po- previous podcast if you search Tennis Pal Chronicles and Esther Lee, you'll be able to hear that whole podcast. But yeah, so she... And that was a great show. I highly recommend if anybody who didn't catch that one. So it's so heartfelt and so heartbreaking as well. And Esther is beating the odds every day um, by just living. And so she's living her life to the fullest. And people like Sean White, who she also was physical therapist, um, brought her to China where he did his, you know, last um, run at the Olympics and they were there together and he talked about how she was his inspiration and Serena said the same thing at our LA Cancer Challenge, which is a run and walk for pancreatic cancer and and she and Serena talked about how important Esther was in her life and so that she actually did the 5k walk in honor of esther and they did it together and venus was there as well so we got to meet her as well and it was just yeah very very beautiful serena was so uh gracious and kind to me and and until (laughs) esther said uh this is my friend philip he plays tennis and he coaches and i said to serena i i don't feel like i can say that i even play tennis when i'm standing next to you because (laughs) <laughs> you were the goat. <laughs> and she just laughed at that. So it it was really, really an amazing moment to be able to just stand next to her and chat, you know? Oh, that's so cool. I loved, did, I don't remember, and I just looked at the picture of the two of you, yeah. but I didn't pay attention. Were you in a Roger hat? Yes, I was, or, of yes, course. Yes, When am okay. I not, right? Well, I mean, that's really all that matters, that <laughs> Serena and Roger were in the moment with you, and, you know, the rest is My life is complete, on the cake. yeah. <laughs> all I needed was Valerie next to me. Where were you? I know. I was there in spirit. But, you know, I did get, to, I was trying to think today, because I knew we were going to record this, about when I went to the U.S. Open in 20, 2009. Yeah. Um, and my, a story I've shared before about um, having a bad habit, which led me to sneaking around on the grounds to um, partake in this bad habit because it, because they don't allow it on the ground. So I was hiding in corners I shouldn't have been in. And I happened to, like Serena and Venus just walked by me after a doubles match. And I rem- I was like, I just yell. I was like, oh my gosh, I love you. You're my heroes. And they both turned and waved and smiled. They were so nice. And then they just kept walking. And I, it was like, you know, uh, a young girl who saw like the Backstreet Boys or I don't know, the Beatles or whatever. I was just freaking out with excitement. Right. Um, actually, I was, I was with Nicholas, our, our Rafa reporter. Right. And we were like jumping up and down looking at each other like two, two little kids who just had the most exciting moment. And uh yeah. At least I have that so I can – I think that's why also I felt fine with um, keeping my obligation the day that you met her. <laughs> and it's <laughs> – Because I was like, well, I did get to yell at her once and she heard me. No. 
And that's a, that's, that's a great analogy. I love that idea of meeting the Beatles. Uh, I mean, you, we as tennis fans really do feel that for anyone who <laughs> isn't a tennis fan that just happens to be listening. I mean, that moment of awe and and you're you're just so stunned because you respect them so much. And I mean, it's just a, it's an incredible moment, isn't it? It's so it's so great, and I think what uh, last night in that whole match and all the ceremonies and videos that was getting me all choked up is not just you know what Serena means to our sport and not just what she means to the women in our sport, but I think Serena goes beyond all of those boundaries, and she is just one of the greatest athletes we've ever had. Yeah. Any sport, any sex, gender, whatever, um, she's just an amazing specimen of an athlete. Um, And I think her persona as well is just bigger than life and bigger than the sport. And it's why, you know, it was the largest crowd the U.S. Open has ever seen. Um, And there was probably a lot of people who aren't, fanatical tennis people that wanted to be there for that moment because she is, I I do think she's larger than our sport. Your comment just makes me think of uh, Billie Jean King and how Serena in her own way is very much like that. Um, She really redefined the sport for so many people. She, you know, redefined what beauty was for women. I think Uh, she redefined racism and sexism uh, on the court, off the court, and really broke down barriers for women in sports, especially African-American women. I just feel like, wow, you know, you cannot say enough about how she changed the game and how she, not only the game of tennis, but like you said, all athletics. Because I think in every sport, in every you know, corner of the world, they all recognize that Serena Williams is one of the greatest athletes of all time. Yes. And, and I think that just if, if we do narrow it back down just to tennis, most people would agree that she has the best serve that our sport has ever seen, even, even including men, um, you know, just all encompassing. And uh, Billie Jean referenced it, I think, you know, last night in the ceremony, how she met Serena at six and said, can you serve? And Serena said, yeah, and showed her her serve. And she said, don't change a thing. So at six, at six (laughs) years old, Serena already had the best motion our uh, sport has ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) And that makes me think of this story. Uh, There's a great video when Serena was 11 years old. Uh, they asked her if she wanted to be like a professional tennis player, what tennis player would she like to be? And I think she said, well, I'd like other people to be like me. Yes. (laughs) At 11 years old, you know. So great. I love it. And it was only three years later that she turned pro. um, And then her first Grand Slam was, of course, here. At the U.S. Open, not here, meaning where I am, but (laughs) here, (laughs) I wish I was there, but here, meaning the tournament that is active right now in 1999, U.S. Open, that was her very first Grand Slam title. So, of course, that's why this U.S. Open means so much to her. She was only 17 years old when she won that. 
Yeah, that's crazy. I can't imagine what that feels like, you know? We just had a podcast about Rabakina, and she was 24, I think, 23 or 24, when she won Wimbledon, the championships. And uh, even that just seems mind-blowing, and it was so, so out of the blue. But to be 17... And to be on that trajectory that she was, and you feel like the movie uh, King Richard showed so much about what she went through and and probably not even half of all of the adversity that she had to deal with, right? Yeah, I'm sure it was just a very tip of the iceberg in terms of the storytelling there. But I mean, it's, it is just... It's. I think that's also what makes it so remarkable. Um, look, I love Roger. I don't have Serena tattooed on my body, but I have Roger tattooed <laughs> because. And I actually, I had a conversation with a friend this morning, and we were, we were morbidly talking about my funeral, and I said, "You better make sure I'm in all Roger gear." And I, <laughs> and uh, oh, that's a good idea. I got to change my will. There we go. Yeah, I was like, I don't want no dress or suit or something fancy. Like, I want a Roger shirt and a Roger hat because you know, I that, that's how I roll. But e- and instead of like instead of like sad, um, you know, mournful music, we have to have like you know the the soundtrack of one of those uh, tribute videos from YouTube, <laughs> where he's like hitting the ball and grunting, and it's all epic, and it sounds like Lord of the Rings, you know. <laughs> yes, I only want YouTube edits played of all of his ma- ma- most majestic shots. <laughs> they, and then him him screaming like come on yes <laughs> at your funeral <laughs> yes i think everyone who knows and loves me would be on board with that um for they sure would totally understand yeah, yeah. Uh, but- i think for me as well although you know i think a lot of my friends might be rolling their eyes but yeah <laughs> well you do you have a lot more friends that are actually interested in tennis though than i do <laughs> That's true. But I think like even with Roger is that and he is always going to be my favorite. I think, you know, my not my goat in terms of look, I think Djokovic has made his his case for for things in Nadal. But Roger's been the most beautiful, gracious, gracious player to play, um, et cetera. But he came up in like he was rich. Right. Let's just like not sugarcoat it. He had private. He had, he had access to country clubs and coaches and stuff like that. So to me, like what makes Serena so great is quote unquote King Richard, right? Going to the library right. and renting books and videos on how to, right. he didn't even play. He just read right. and was like, listen, this is what you do. And he taught them some of their strokes and especially their serves are like a uh, perfect form. Right. And, and he really was just reading and looking at videos and drawings and going off of that like what that is really just a thing of fairy tales in my mind that's what makes it even more insane and then you add on top of that the the odds that the sisters two sisters can have such a breakout and dominance um and how i don't know the stats maybe it's in all the stats you just put together earlier <laughs> but how many times did they play each other for grand slams and like win or lose like so if serena didn't lose to venus or venus didn't lose to serena they might potentially have a ridic- ridiculously larger amount of slams 
Yeah, that's that's a really great stat. I would love to look that up and see because they definitely were dominant, right? I mean, uh, they no one could touch them, no one could beat them. It's and and it was uh, it was also controversial, right? It felt like it was unfair to a lot of people complaining about how they were at the top, and and then there was a lot of gamesmanship saying that they were actually like throwing the match for the other person to win or something. If I remember correctly, is that how you remember it? Yeah, I remember a lot of people saying that that they were fixed. Fixed, yeah, but. I mean, I, I never personally bought into any of that. I just had to imagine it's so hard to play against your sibling. Like, they were charting territory that no other people have had to. Um, and even if other people do it, like, it, it has to be tricky to navigate. I mean, even Curios could barely play against Kakanakis last night, and they're just friends. <laughs> he said he had to blur his, his uh, body out of his mind when he was hitting the ball so he could pretend he was playing someone else. Like, Oh, that's interesting. It's got to be really hard. Um, and I feel like it's probably harder for Venus to, to beat your little sister, who you love mm-hmm. so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, not only did they come up without that kind of um, backing, like I know Roger also was supported by the Tennis Association of Switzerland, and they, they were the ones who actually put him in the academy and stuff. So, you know, he not only had private lessons, but he also had that advantage. But it was just amazing that, um, you know, Richard Williams really believed so much in open stance tennis way ahead of everyone that was teaching at that time and there's a little moment in that movie where you know he's trying to get the girls to uh, remind them to hit in open stance and to have that kind of footwork but the coach who is um, you know coaching them in the video is saying no that's not right that's not right (laughs) and uh, you know egg on the face of that coach because uh, obviously they went on to be incredible champions doing what their father said hitting in open stance and now of course everyone on the pro tour hits in open stance because the ball's coming so fast. It's very hard to hit in close or neutral stance um, and to have those extra steps. And, you know, it's just incredible that any tennis player who watches that movie completely gets that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I love it. This is what I love about you, Philip, is that you, you get it. Uh, because <laughs> I play tennis and I know that I'm not following any of the stuff that you're, I'm supposed to be. I'm just, uh, wing it. I'm just winging it, you know, no two shots are ever, uh, duplicated. <laughs> They're not repeat. They're, They're not all repeat- you- repeatable. <laughs> that's funny. They're like NFTs, NFT shots. There we go. That that's so, so when I hear open stance, like I'm pretty sure I know what that means. But I, I honestly, like, if someone said, can you demonstrate it? I would be thoroughly having uh, an anxiety attack going, oh, no, I really don't know if I feel confident that I, I could, I'm doing this exactly right. Well, we need to get on the court again so that I can just uh, walk you through it. I know you already know it. Like, you, you just maybe don't know the, the term when you're doing it, you know. 
but it's definitely something that I show people. I pull up a video of Serena hitting, moving across the baseline side to side. You know, she's shuffling with her body open facing the net. And so she can move, you know, to the forehand side, to the backhand side, and she never actually turns her body forward closed so that her bodies facing you know the crowd on either side until she has to move forward or backwards and so it just became a brand new way of playing tennis and taking the ball right off the bounce early so that you didn't have to do three four five steps to set up and be in the right place and then hit the ball and it saved time because tennis just got faster and faster and of course serena with her crazy power you know made it faster right she was the first power woman i feel like that changed the game and all of a sudden tennis became uh powerful for on the women's side would, would you say that's true i i feel like Lindsay davenport might have something to say about that but because <laughs> i because I'm, I'm trying to i wonder remember. what steffi graf would say <laughs> yeah right she but steffi did have finesse you know she had a beautiful game yeah. i don't know that she had power but her game wasn't exclusively power i feel like yeah. i feel like um for sure Lindsay was a person that i saw that kind of came and blasted people away um and, in my mind it's why she wasn't as consistent the same as People who like Sharapova or Ostapenko, Belinda Bencic, right? I can name like a lot of people who, when they have that type of power game where when they're on, they're like unbeatable. And when they're Sabalenka. off, like, yeah, Sabalenka, exactly. And when they're off, maybe, you know, they're, they're vulnerable. But I feel like Serena and Venus brought, a, first of all, like a different level of power. I think they did, cr- yes. they cranked it up a notch. Um, yeah. And they also brought this like, consistency to it where it was like even if they had a bad day like it still was too good for everybody else right and you know there's those players that are like the finesse kind of interesting touch players and they can move the ball and you know it's not that serena and venus were not good at the net they were obviously amazing doubles players so they had that ability but you knew that when you were going to go onto the court with Serena, she was going to hit you off the court, right? Yeah. She was going to serve you off the court. She was going to forehand and backhand you off the court. It wasn't like a you know touch tricky game of finesse and moving the ball around. And you know, I I think in that era, I think of Justine Hennen, uh, the Belgian player oh, who really had that almost Federer esque footwork where she was able to set herself up and especially on that single backhand, wow, she could like, she had the finesse and the form to be able to like hit these amazing shots and maybe one of the fastest single women's backhands in history. She just was incredible at that. But open stance just takes all of that away because, you know, the faster the ball comes, you just have less time to do that setup, to be in that right place, to hit that ball so cleanly and uh, they, and then it just takes time away from you. So Serena and Venus just did that day after day, you know? Yes, yeah, so good. So good. So good. I, I yeah. actually started watching tennis because of Martina Hingis. Okay, and there you go. I, That's the finesse player. Yes, and I loved her. And also, like, the youngest Grand Slam champion, I think, on the women's side um, that our game saw. I think maybe Tracy Austin had it before her. Or something, if I'm remembering correctly. I think she was the youngest, yeah. Um, yeah. But 
then Serena and Venus came along and up, and they just started knocking her around like child's play. And I remember being so mad. I was like, who are these girls just <laughs> coming and beating my favorite player? And, and uh, I think maybe the first like three or four slams that Serena and Venus were winning, I was not okay with it. I was so mad. Um, and then I realized these are my hometown heroes. They're from my backyard. They're super badass. And why why am I not rooting for them? What the hell's wrong with me? So I had a total change of heart and and I've been uh crazy about them ever since. That is so interesting that you had that, you know, flip. Uh I think it's a hard thing to do, right? Like a lot of people get locked into like not liking a certain person and then they just kind of stick to their guns on that. Actually a lot of people were like that about Federer. They felt like he was too much of a machine, right? Just too perfect, too uh it was too easy for him during this certain time and it wasn't until he started losing that he gained even more fans because people were like more sympathetic. That's what I've heard. Oh, sounds very similar to Djokovic. <laughs> and how he finally won over the U.S. Open crowd when he lost. <laughs> yes, I think so. I guess. Yeah. Like people, you know, people do love an underdog. People love losers. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes me feel better. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's why we're so popular, Philip. <laughs> We have an abund- well, abundance Seren- of fans and love. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And and Serena is not, for sure. I mean, over her 27-year pro career, can you believe it? 27 years playing pro tennis wow. now. She's she's 40, right? She's on the court today playing at 40 years old. Yeah. Because she's the same age as Roger Federer. I always remember that they're the same, like, you know, off by a couple of months, but really the same age. Mm-hmm. And then Venus is a little bit older, right? So it's just amazing that they're out there playing. And Venus and Serena are playing doubles as kind of a farewell uh, doubles uh, team, yes. which is kind of amazing. Oh, I and really hope they win. I hope so, too. Even if Serena loses early, I hope that they can keep playing and keep playing. And, you know, I mean, that's going to be... Maybe maybe one of those Jimmy Connors moments, right? With the amazing comeback that just goes and goes and is just blows your mind, you know? Yeah, I mean, I th- I think her that, odds are their odds are much greater, obviously, in the doubles draw than in singles. So hope, hopefully, they can make a really nice run. And that's true for Serena in general with doubles in twenty twenty two. She actually has one her last two doubles matches and do you remember she she played them with Ons Jabur? Yes. Yes, that was so cool. <laughs> I think that was Eastbourne on grass and it was just cool that you know they were able to take take that together and and uh and for her to have that wonderful win again, you know. Yeah. But you've got to say that Serena has been struggling in singles for the last couple of tournaments and the one that was really the heartbreak, of course, was was Wimbledon, where she lost first round to Harmony Tan, and that was such a shock. It was, it was. I mean, I guess the only the only positive for me, anyway. I don't want to speak for everyone because I can't. But uh, it was just she tried so hard. She was so like the effort was there. I just felt like you know the body couldn't produce like what her mind wanted to happen. Right. Doesn't that happen right. to us well as we age? <laughs> <laughs> 
it was so strange. It was such an up and down match because, you know, the first set was just really hard to watch, but it was very close and they were both battling, but also both missing. And Harmony Tan won at 7-5. But the next set, Serena won 6-1. I mean, really just dominated. And like you said in a former podcast, why couldn't Serena serve better, right? That really was lacking in that match. Yeah, I feel like um, that's that's what surprises me sometimes. Is I mean, even last night in her round one at the U.S. Open, she was hitting double faults all over the place. I mean, right. she finally, but she did she hit some pretty great to, aces. Too. Yeah, and and so important key moments. So she got it together. But it's like, um, if she could honestly, I feel like if she could just become a serve bot, like <laughs> like an Isner or an Anderson, or I'm trying to think of the other serve bots we got. Pliskova. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Then it would help. Yeah. It would help her so much. Um, yeah, Rebecca, if you know Rebecca could. <laughs> hold her serve yes uh, even Kyrgios I feel like really is kind of a serve bot in that way right? oh Kyrgios is the ultimate serve bot but he has because <laughs> he doesn't try on the other points <laughs> I know and he hits like second serves as first serves you know right you, you're, you don't right. know if you're getting like 98 or 130 like <laughs> um, well you, you had talked about her first round and I love what uh, Serena had to say about you know winning that match and and still keeping the dream alive. So let's listen to that interview here after uh, her first match, first round U.S. Open. Um, here is her on-court interview. Alexis, you'll like this quote. This was a quote I read the other day from a fan who said, "You simply cannot overstate the breadth and depth of the influence she's had on many people." As far as I can tell, she has no idea. That was from Alexis Ohanian. Is, is he right? Absolutely. No I'm just me, and I'm just Serena, and I feel like I just blend in with the crowd sometimes, so I just am here just being the best that I can. Serena, you will never blend in with the crowd. You will never. I, I feel like I do. I feel like I do. Did you see your body in that Vogue cover? Vava and boom. It's hard to imagine tennis without you. You know, as Oprah said in the tape, love from all of us. You will so be missed. We always talk about what you've done for us. What can we do for you? Just keep coming out and supporting me as long as I'm here. Know that I love you so much, and I'm so excited to be here. So, so, so much. That we can do. Before we go, we have one more surprise for you. One more, one more surprise. Crowd, are you ready? Before we go. We've been working really hard on this, Serena. Really, really hard. Oh, boy. Oh! Are you ready? All right. says we love you Serena thank you uh, twirl 
Thank you, Serena. Good luck. I love how fun she was and how much she talked about her child and her family and, you know, what she look forward to and I was actually thinking of calling this podcast Serena 2.0 because that's how she described herself. She's reinventing herself. She's going to become somebody, you know, even more powerful in what she's doing with her uh, Serena Ventures investments and and really continue to change the world, don't you think? Yes. Yes, I thought that's a great idea though, Serena 2.0. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's what she called herself. So I just love that she is really thinking, you know, that she's ready to make a difference and um, she's really changing the way that people perceive her on and off the court. And of course, she's made a ton of money uh, uh, on the court and uh, but it's it's interesting to me that she, at, 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 I don't think she was ever the highest women's earner, even though she probably is the most popular uh, or I should say the most well-known women's tennis player in the world, wouldn't you say? Does anybody have a bigger name than Serena Williams? I wouldn't think so. But her her career win was... million in her career, which of course isn't shabby. (laughs) That's That's pretty amazing. But, (laughs) but yeah, but it's kind of, that's it, right? I mean, considering who she is, I mean, she, you know, the, the stats of what she has won 23 grand slams, you would think it was a little bit more, right? Definitely Roger and, and uh, Djokovic have won more. And so that points to the women's inequality as well. Yes, and and I think prize money might you know it's gone up a lot as well, um, right? Where they yeah, where anybody they win who like won three in the early days, days got robbed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> they were like, I think if they got a million, they were like, whoopee. Uh, now, right. now they're getting like three to five million dollars or something, and then it's like, right. oh, U.S. Open series. If you get, if you have the most points before the U.S. Open, and then you win the U.S. Open, you get here's a three million dollar bonus or whatever they do. I'm making numbers up, but they're probably not that Poor far Rod Laver, you know? I mean, guys like that who barely made any money. Oh, so sad. Yes. Or a Pancho Gonzalez, you know? But I think, was it, I don't know if it was the first time, but I know at Wimbledon, they did say that the men's and women's champion got equal pay at the championships, which is very, very cool. Yes. Yes. I mean, the, and we have... Billie Jean and Venus and Serena, you know, Billie Jean took them both under her wing and they made they made a lot of positive change for women in our sport. Yeah, so amazing. Well, the stats uh, for Serena, just to get them out there, you know, she won 856 matches, probably now 857 because of last night. I'm sure this is uh, old now. And she's only lost 154 that's just staggering. It really is. To have that kind of win ratio. Did you say that she had the most wins? She has 365 major, Grand Slam major match wins, which is the most of all time. Wow. And which equal her 23 Grand Slam singles titles, the most in the open era. And, you know, you've got to say that you really feel like she wanted that 24, right? She wanted it too bad. That's I think what kept her from getting it. But I mean, yeah, int- she did she did a quite a good job to I mean, she gave herself what like four chances and she was that right. was after having a child. Right. Right. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, she and almost she has and to. almost dying while giving birth, you know. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, 2007, I think. It was just amazing that she was able to <laughs> win a major while pregnant. I mean, who does that? Serena Williams. Yeah. Right. I I And that's where she beat uh, Steffi's record also, right? Yes. And I think that I might just be um crazy here. I'm just speculating, but I know that part of the retirement is that she wants, you know, to build on her family. And she mentioned she doesn't have the luxury, you know, of a man to just have more children and still play. So I was like, I wonder if she's pregnant now. And it'll also give her like that magical belief in the back of her head, like she could do it again. (laughs) Yeah. Gosh, that makes me think that there was a a baby boy's name that came out. Hmm. Okay, I'm I'm totally off. Maybe it was a dream. <laughs> well, maybe that you maybe you were dreaming and manifesting, sir. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I wouldn't put any money on it, but <laughs> no, no. But I would uh, definitely support her making a run. That would I mean, like how magical would that be? Like you said, like a Jimmy Connors run. It's yeah. you know, stranger things have happened. A qualifier won last year, so the qualifier yeah. who won last year had zero grand slam experience and was not even ranked 413 which is what you your notes say Serena is currently ranked <laughs> yeah isn't that crazy yeah the qualifier <laughs> was ranked lower right she had to she had to actually qualify <laughs> to get in <laughs> and if she could win i i you know i'm not counting out serena but she's got to play some magical stuff like last night she really she was like moving i was like wow serena's <laughs> she got to that ball i was i was pleasantly surprised yeah and happy. those like you could tell her opponent was doing some drop shots and trying to make her run right yeah. and serena was running up to this ball she was moving yeah. I, I agree yeah she had a little extra pep in her step last night that we haven't seen you know in the past year or so yeah well, I think it's like Gattaca, you know, you just got to leave it all out there and save nothing for the swim back, right? Exactly. So what else the do other, we got? Ama- <laughs> yeah, the ama- the other amazing stat is, of course, the doubles that uh, the Williams sisters were able to get Olympic doubles gold uh, three times together, and they were the first ever sister duo to claim Olympic doubles gold. That was in the year 2000, 2008, and 2012. Wow. So they were the first to do it, and then they did it three times. Then they did it three times. So it means so much for them to be playing doubles here at the U.S. Open and to end their career in that way, right? It would be interesting to see what Venus does, because even in her interview, as we just heard, Serena says, well, I can't speak for Venus, but for me, you know, I'm this will be my last. And so that was, yeah, that was really moving. And I, I want to point out the Vogue article too, is which is where she actually uh, announced her retirement. And it was such a powerful, beautiful essay that Serena herself wrote. So if you haven't read that, um, I highly recommend checking that out. And I'll put a link in our show notes as well to this article. It has some beautiful pictures, of course, that Vogue is known for. And you've got to think, you know, Anna Wintour was somehow behind that whole 
coup of having Serena be a part of uh, Vogue and announcing her retirement there, right? Because that's huge, right? Yes, for sure. Roger's BFF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, and I wonder what their relationship is. I know. I always, I always laugh whenever I think that I know the like the editor of Vogue's name. I'm like, what? And it's only because of tennis. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It's a fun fact trivia that nobody would ever think that you or I would know, but we'd be like, yes, we know her well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and the chances of her winning the title here? I heard it was 50 to 1, mm. which doesn't actually sound that crazy to me, but the um, I don't really understand tennis odds too well. I'm more of a football gambler myself. But uh, <laughs> but the commentators were saying that it's really bad odds. <laughs> she is definitely yeah. uh, they're, not, they're not doing any favors there with giving her a shot. Right. Right. And considering her track record in the last couple of tournaments, we mentioned Harmony Tan. She recently lost to Belinda Bencic at the Rogers in Canada, I think, right? Rogers Cup. Yeah. So well, I, good I, on I, I mean, I give her a Belinda Bencic. Belinda Bencic <laughs> is a really tough opponent. Like, she could beat really tough. She opponent. could beat anyone on any given day. Um, so I don't fault Serena for losing that match at all. <laughs> yeah, six two six four on that one. It is the more she does have way more random losses though, where it's just kind of uh, inexplicable sometimes. Yeah, and the last uh, match she played right before coming into the U.S. Open was where she lost to uh, Emma Raducanu, the defending champion, and that was six four six zero. That was that was kind of hard to watch. Yeah, yeah. It definitely was. I'm watching I mean, Radakanu was... right now. <laughs> oh, are you? <laughs> it was amazing because I feel like Radakanu was on fire and was just bringing it, very confident in her game. Uh, and it was, yeah, it's hard again to watch Serena move. But I do, like you said, I feel like she's moving so much better at this tournament. Yeah, I heard. Um, I heard a story on uh, the tennis podcast today that. I, I guess like throughout Serena's entire career, she never hit with other players. She only had her hitting partner, whether that was Sasha or when she moved on from Sasha, like somebody else. Um, but I guess someone mentioned something to her, like you gotta, you gotta hit with other people on the tour. And so I think she opened up to trying that this year um, or recently. And so at least, at least um, some other professional journalists were crediting possibly the fact that she's been hitting with other women mm. recently, like let's just say the past few weeks, and, and they think that it's it's probably helping. Um, I hope they're right. Yeah, I hope so too. It would be amazing if she could win this and tie Margaret Cord and go out like that. Yeah. Although, you know, if she won it, she would probably be like, what the hell am I retiring for? <laughs> I could still win things. It's, uh, gosh, it's got to be so hard for them, you know. It's so hard, I'm sure, for athletes to time retirement. Because you, in a, in a dream world, if you had a crystal ball, you'd love to go out on top. Yeah. But then 
because you don't have a crystal ball, you're not going to go out on top generally because you you're full of confidence and you think like, oh, I could just keep doing this until all of a sudden you're like, you have years of not being able to do it under your belt. Do you feel like she really opened the door for uh, women to feel powerful and to play a power game, to yell, to scream, to curse if you wanted to, to to be who she was? And, you know, I think a lot of people criticize her early on for being that powerful, for not being ladylike, quote unquote, but... I mean, she set the example of what a powerful woman is, don't you think? A hundred percent. And I think not even just in tennis, you know, in other right. in other sports as well. Well, and even standing up for herself, uh, I think, in the press and in the media and the way she carries herself at press conferences and not letting people talk down to her and always respecting herself. And um, I think it it's part of what sets her apart is her competitiveness. She's just so ferocious as a competitor. She she would just fight, 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 and uh, you know that kind of that kind of athleticism, that kind of power, that kind of determination is often looked down upon for women, or at least in, historically. But maybe now, because of her, you know, it's really opened the door for women to be like that. Yes. I think I feel like she was quoted saying something along those lines. Someone said, if you want to be remembered for something, you know, what would it be? And I think she said something along those lines of of it being kind of opening those doors and setting that example and paving the way for those that come behind her. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and because I think most people think of paving the way just because she's African-American, right? And so they think of Naomi Osaka, Coco Goff. But I think of all women in tennis being able to be such a force of nature, you know, just to express themselves, to yell, to scream, to... Uh, you know, to show that side of their emotion and their power and their frustration and and everything. I think that was really different. And, you know, men have been doing it the whole time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that was one of her arguments in her last debacle at the U.S. Open (laughs) was, you know, why why can't I scream and shout and make a scene, but guys do it and nobody says anything. Exactly. Yeah. So in that way, she became, you know, the the tip of the spear um, to equalizing for for men and women. And uh, boy, took a lot of brunt, right? Yeah. I remember that U.S. Open thing, that debacle and that, that whole angry black woman, you know, connotation. And uh, wow, that was horrible. So bad. I mean, there's definitely been some downs, but what's so great is how she always gets back up, you know? And like you said, she she just doesn't allow the disrespect and to go from that to standing back up getting back on the court and you know the cheering and the screaming and the yelling that you heard at last night's match for her for every point that she was hustling for wow so beautiful wasn't it i mean i i felt so emotional yeah it was great it would have been so cool to be there but maybe one day when i'm a millionaire (laughs) Thank goodness those tickets were not available for you. Right. It's true. Actually, thanks. thank goodness I bought the Labor Cup tickets before I found out about this. Or I would have been in New York right now instead of in London in a month. 
Well, I, I, I think they're both equally amazing. So, you know, you're going to have an amazing time. <laughs> yes. I mean, and, and in, in regards to Serena, um, I, I think like one of the things that also I just respected a lot was the fact that it, there was such controversy at Indian Wells with the racism and the inappropriateness oh gosh, yeah. and how they, yeah. how she, you know, at the, um, inspiration, she drew inspiration from Nelson Mandela and decided that she wanted to forgive and, and move on and let that go and, and went back and, Redid the and you and I were there. You and I were there that year that she decided to go back, and it was like ten years or something. I think two thousand and one when that all those racial slurs happened on the courts of Indian Wells, and and it was literally ten years later or more, and then you and I were there when she played. Yes, and I just think that's so cool. Like. I think that says a lot about a person when, because getting over trauma and forgiving people who have mistreated you is hard. Um, It's hard work. And so, anywho, this is me. Especially when you're as, no, but I mean, especially when you're as big as Serena and you don't have to. Right. Yeah. You don't. You don't have to be gracious. You don't. Ha- she could do whatever she wanted. You know. She's she's Beyonce of tennis. You know. She could get what she wants and be who she wants and you know, play anywhere, anyone she wants. She could do whatever she wanted. But that she chose forgiveness and chose graciousness. And to me, that's just an, another source of her power. Right. Yes. For sure. Um. And you know she plays guitar. No, I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, Serena plays guitar and she <laughs> likes punk rock music. I remember when I found that out many, many moons ago. I, that really excited me. I was like, yes. <laughs> she's wow. cool. She's she's a cool gal. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was so interesting in her uh, speech after the match. She said, and she wanted to pursue her spiritual side as well after retirement. Yeah. which I thought was so interesting that she would, you know, go there and 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 portray herself in that way. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm all f- like I'm that. all for it, right? Usually people yeah, who are on I a like spiritual that. path are generally have are trying to put out good vibes into the universe. So Yeah, and I just like that she's trying to be so well-rounded, you know, it's not she's not just the cookie-cutter athlete that's just one-dimensional. Yeah, and it wasn't just Serena so Ventures. <laughs> it was money <laughs> and spirituality. No. <laughs> I guess you can have it all, huh? Yes. And you've covered in previous reports. In fact, I, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to those fan favorite reports that Valerie talks about Serena because there's so much great information in there. But you've talked a lot about her fashion and her, her love for fashion and being a part of that will, world as well, and kind of really avant-garde and pushing the boundaries of what tennis players should and could wear, right? Yes. Yes, remember the cat suit at the French Open? The cat suit. <laughs> <laughs> Epic. Yes, Epic. yes. There's been some good ones. I mean, last night, the cape, the skirt 
slash cape that she had on. I was like, yes, I love it. And all the sparkles in her hair. Um, <laughs> She's more like a figure skater in the way that she presents herself, don't you think? I mean, yeah. very much like the glitz and the glamour, yes. which I love. Yes, me too. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I shouldn't even say this. I was actually telling myself, don't say this, don't say this. But I was like, but I can't help myself. I, I still think Sharapova has the best U.S. Open outfit ever. She she did wear a black dress with all these like, oh God, how do you say it? Like Kavarsky, Kavarsky crystals? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the or, crystals. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know because I don't care about that. But like, <laughs> but it was very it beautiful. Great. It looked very sparkly yeah. and cute. And I was like, that's the probably the best um that was the same year that roger had all the black and red too which was yeah. amazing but Ser- but other than that one dress serena's worn so many outfits that were just epic and beautiful wonderful <laughs> well i think it's interesting that you bring up sharapova when we're talking about serena because boy that's a battle isn't it <laughs> i mean that added so much to the the drama of tennis uh and just that that friendship that relationship whatever you want to call it the the rivalry yeah i don't think i would have ever used the f word between them of friendship <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think uh she actually said in an interview we are not friends serena <laughs> when asked that uh kind of amazing but uh boy sharapova beat her the very first time they met in 2004. And Sharapova was younger than Serena at, at when Serena won her first, right? Sharapova was 17, I think. And Sher- and Serena was 19 when she won her first. Serena was 17 when oh, she oh, won her oh, first. Oh, okay, sorry, sorry. It was I'm I'm tripping. Um I think Sharapova was 17 as well. Might be, maybe even younger. Wait, uh, let me look that up really quick. But yeah, everybody thought she was going to come shake the world up. And then Serena just said, not so fast. <laughs> not today. <laughs> not today or any other day for the rest of your career. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that was just. Nobody a beat Serena two times in a row. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that famous quote. Yes. <laughs> uh they met 22 times oh. and uh obviously serena only lost once yeah <laughs> the, very the very first, first time, time they played <laughs> in 2004 yeah and even the last time they played uh, i don't know if you remember it was actually at the u.s open in 2019 and it was kind of epic we were all kind of excited that they were going to see each other of course sharapova had just returned from injury and you know, it was, it was tough for her to even come back. But, of course, Serena wins 6-1, 6-1. Yeah, I think uh, she just she just figured out the formula, and there's nothing Sharapova could ever do. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so interesting because Sharapova was power, right? Yeah. I mean, she was perceived as the powerful tennis player. Like, nobody hit harder than her on the courts back then. And now I feel like everybody hits harder than that. Yeah. The game has just moved on uh, for Sharapova, for Serena, for Venus. It's just crazy how how fast the game is. And I don't think it's just 
age for Serena. Obviously, that plays a big part of it, but I just feel like the game has evolved too. Don't you agree? Yeah, for sure. It's true. The speed of the speed of the shots, the the kind of uh, forehand that the women hit now. Uh, I would say there are a lot of people that serve a lot better than Serena now. Yeah. Uh, very seems very hard hard to say those words, but. It's, it seems, it's true. I mean, definitely no one has served better than Serena in her whole career. But I mean, as far as like her serve now compared to other people's serve now, it's right on par with hers. I don't think it stands out anymore. Correct. Yeah. I mean, maybe her motion might be better or her spots, she might hit her spots more, maybe not percentage wise, but she might have better spot hitting when she actually does hit them. Um, but I don't think she has the consistency that they do and she doesn't have the, the pace and it's, and, and the consistency, you know, she's not, I don't think she's serving like 80% ever. And there might be other women out there who are, or 70, 80% first serves. Um, because like, like we said with the Harmony Tan, like if, if Serena's serve was even a, I don't know, 80% of what it was when she had, when she was at her best. There's no way, like, there's no way she loses in the first round of Harmony Town at Wimbledon. Because <laughs> all she has to do is hold her serve, right? Yeah. And if her serve was, was decent still, then it would have been enough. But it's not enough anymore because, like you said, it's the game has evolved beyond that. Um, and her serve, while still a beautiful motion, um, and unreadable with the toss and still very, very fast up there with the best of the fastest servers. Um, yeah, it's just not, it's just not there. It's not as consistent and it's not as, it's not this big, scary weapon that it once was. Yeah. And at, you know, at that time I did feel like, you know, women's serves were just not as strong. And so you would often see all the women being broken, right? All their their serves were never strong enough, so they would just get broken. And then, the, the, of course, their ground game was so much better, so they would break so much easier other people's serves. And Serena was the only one that had a, a, more, a powerful, more powerful serve than her return game. Yeah. I think, though, that's the other thing, is that the return in general has gotten better. Yes. Um, yes. But from from all the opponents, because I even think like when I watch Roger, sometimes I'm like, his serve isn't as effective as it was. Mm. Um, people just return really good. <laughs> in 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 all in the men's and the women's game, like it's it's unless you're unless you are a serve bot. <laughs> Um, I would, I would say like, if you're a Kyrgios, you're a Zverev, th- things like that, sure. You're likely to still, it would be surprising when people break you. Um, Pliskova, I'm trying to think of Rybakova during Wimbledon, but other than that, I feel like she's, hasn't been that scary. I feel like Naomi Osaka, when she was at oh, the top, yeah. her serve was insane. It was so good. It was so good. What happened, right? What a- <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. right? Let's start. That's our next podcast. No. Yeah. <laughs> but I do. I do think that, like, it's not just that Serena's, like, lost edge on her serve, but just the return got so much better as well. Yeah. 
And I think her return got her return of other people's serve didn't like went down. She used to smash the heck out of people's serves, and I feel like she doesn't do that anymore. Well, that's what we were saying about Harmony Tan, right? I mean, that serve was like 68 miles an hour. Yeah, she... And how come Serena couldn't just kill that Tee off return? and hit a winner every single return? Every time? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's like a feed ball, you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so, who knows? But, boy, it is so hard to be mentally tough in, in those moments when you're, you know, you're, you're just coming back, you're unsure of yourself. It's just crazy. Yeah, and I mean, like, I, I feel like just a total um, schmuck over here, even just saying anything about Serena that's not positive because, you know, what what do I do with, what have I done? Um, <laughs> I, I Well, you've been a great fan. That's what you've done. You've, you, you know. I have. <laughs> you've been a really great fan. I've paid attention. I forgot to mention. You've paid attention. I forgot to mention that Serena also has a singles gold that she got in 2012 in the London game. So not only does she have the three doubles golds with her sister, but she also has a singles gold. And, you know, uh, as we've talked about on this podcast before, a lot of people have said winning that Olympic gold for your country and for your team just feels so much bigger than a Grand Slam a lot of times. So there's that. You know, she's a gold medalist. Yes. <laughs> I I find it hard to believe she only won one, but I kind of you know? I kind of did too. Yeah. Yes. She is tied with Steffi Graf for the most consecutive weeks at number one. How which is how hun random? Hundred and eighty six weeks in a row at world number one. Isn't that uh, just strange that they would both yeah. have la like land on the same weeks? Yeah, like how is that even possible, right? So random. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I love this stat, though. Serena is the only player to have won three Grand Slam singles titles after saving match points. Oh, that's she good. She did it in 20... Uh, she did in 2003 at the Australian Open. She saved match points against Kim Clijsters, your fave, oh, my in the Kimmy. semifinals. <laughs> in 2005 at the Australian, again, saved match points against our fave, Maria Sharapova, oh, in the nice. semis. I was going to guess Azarenka, but that would have been a bad guess. <laughs> and then 2009 at Wimbledon, she saved match points against Alina Demi Demiteva. Oh, Elena Dementieva? I yes. love Dementieva. <laughs> she actually I didn't even remember that match. Oh, I don't I don't either. But actually that was the year uh Elena Dementieva had a great year that year, and that was the year I went to the US Open. And I ah. remember um I couldn't wait to see Dementieva play. And I got to New York and I didn't go to the US Open until like my second or third day there. I was at a bar watching tennis on the TV and Dementieva lost. Um, oh my gosh. Who I'm going to kick myself for not remembering who beat her, but I remember it was somebody like she should not have lost to. Um, uh. I think it actually might have been an American. Um, but I, I was so sad because I didn't get to see Dementieva at the U.S. Open. And I really wanted to see her play and she lost in the first round or something. <laughs> <laughs> like the first, like the first or second round or something, 
I'm gonna have to look that up now just to just to remember like who who it was that beat I've her. I've got a YouTuber now because I, I I don't even know her. That's how bad I am. Oh well, you know, I don't know that you were heavy into women's tennis during that era, were you? No, probably not. Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> I think also back in in that time. Oh no, I I did love Roger back then, but um, yeah. oh, it was it was an American. It was Melanie O'Dan. Oh, Melanie O'Dan, oh, who had that magical run that year and never did anything ever again. I remember kind of like secretly just being mad at her all the time for that. <laughs> <laughs> We actually talked about having her on the podcast. Yes, you remember? yes. So let's bring her on so I could ask her why she ruined. My- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would never. So, <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> I'm like, actually, I was no. <laughs> can you guess, uh, being the Serena reporter that you are, can you guess what other um, tournament she has won the most outside of the slams? If you would take any guess, hmm. I'll give you a hint. Well, it I'm going to guess it's a hard court because yep, that just court. makes sense. And then uh-huh. I'm going to, I think you were going to give me a hint that I was in the U.S., but I was going to guess the U.S. anyway. Um, okay. I honestly, oh gosh. Obviously not Indian I Wells. I was going because... thinking Indian Wells that maybe she won it so much before she banned it, but... <laughs> Um, I'm going to guess San Jose. But right after Indian Wells is? Oh, Miami. Her other home. Miami. She lives That's in right. Miami, so that makes sense. That's right. I, yeah, I was going San the, Jose because they don't always get like a super strong field. Um, that's right. I think that she would be always, a little easier, huh? She did used to play it, and so it's, it's almost like a 500, I think, or something. Yeah. Yeah. She actually won it eight times, a record number eight times in Miami. So in her hometown, like you said, she... She owned that one. Nice. Good for her. <laughs> that would have been my that would have been my fourth guess. <laughs> <laughs> I would never have guessed it. So if, if you were quizzing me, I would not have gotten it. <laughs> nice. This has been fun, hasn't it? Reminiscing about Serena. Oh yes. Uh I just you know, it really has. And let's take a moment of silence to will her into the third round past Contivit. <laughs> Who is tricky? Yeah. Who is a tricky oh, player? Yeah. I mean, she's good. Hopefully yeah. she has an off night and Serena and the crowd are magical again. Yeah, I think Serena and the crowd will be magical whether she wins or not. <laughs> it's to be seen. But I do feel like it's going to be super, super, super special for her whenever that moment is. And I think she's going to get the love that she deserves there on court at the U.S. Open. Uh, wow, it's such an amazing time in our tennis history. You're going to the Labor Cup, and that might be... The, you know, an epic last time for all those players to play together. That's incredible. I mean, I thought in my head, this will never happen again. I have to be, right. I have to be part of this moment. <laughs> I I think you're right. Yeah. I 2022, this is the year of huge, huge transition and change for all of our goats, right? For all of our, yeah, so crazy. It really is. Like the landscape of tennis is changing before our eyes. 
<laughs> and I, I think it's the U.S. Open in general, but like I see all these matches on YouTube at the U.S. Open, and I don't even know the players. I mean, it's like so many people that try to play the U.S. Open and ha feel like they have a chance because it 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 often is one of those tournaments that is uh, won by an outsider, right? Yeah. I think if, of any slam. I I think that historically data would um, confirm that <laughs> hypothesis because it's like the end of it's the last slam. I think it's always been kind of hard for people to win. Yeah. Um, and I am putting my foot in my mouth to not go on a rant about how amazing Roger is that he won five in a row and won like eight or nine total <laughs> because because of that sentiment exactly it, it is known as like one of the hardest to win so <laughs> it's how why we get we get these breakout winners well it's just incredible that we get to honor serena i'm so grateful for tennis pal for sponsoring this podcast so that we can just talk about our passion and share you know what we love about tennis and that that they have this incredible app called Tennis Pal that brings tennis players together and allows us to honor Serena. And, you know, one of the most amazing stats to me is that she actually was the oldest woman to become world number one and win a Grand Slam. And so that just says so much about her grit and determination and how much she was fighting for it. She was 35 years old and in 2017. And she wanted to get that slam, and she did it. Having won the Australian Open in 2017 when she was 35 and four months. That's incredible. World number one. Yes, Serena the Great. Serena the Great. Serena the Goat. <laughs> <laughs> Serena 2.0. So do you think you're going to follow her just as much after tennis because you you love her as a person, just like I'm going to follow Roger no matter what he does, you know, no matter what business he's in? I mean, for sure. I'll, I'll always yeah. be interested in her endeavors. I don't know that I'm going to know every time her clothing has like a new line out or something you know like, <laughs> it's not gonna be because her company has a new investment <laughs> exactly i love these players but i am um through and through i'm a fan of tennis and yeah so uh, these players will come and go and they'll always have a piece of my heart but i'm always gonna be primarily obsessed with the tennis that's happening <laughs> in the moment well, you'll have to pick a new player to represent and be the fan favorite reporter, so you're going to have to think about that long and hard. Oh, sounds good. I don't think I'll have to think very hard about that. I love so many players, and to be honest, <laughs> well, like my... Well, that's the hard part, is you have to choose one. <laughs> well, if I had to think of just like one right off the top of my head, my first thought yeah. was Bianca Andreescu, because... Oh, nice. I do yeah. love her dearly, and she has a big persona, like a Serena-like, you know, personality, just... Um, she's very comfortable in her skin, let's say. I like that. Yeah. I like, I'm drawn to the, those types of personalities. So I don't know what it takes to be dominant like Serena, but whatever it is, it seems like we don't have it on the men's and women's side right now. <laughs> that, that dominance that a Roger, a Rafa, a, a Djokovic, a Serena... You know, it's just incredible. Uh, Steffi Graf. Steffi, yeah. Uh, a Pete Sampras, you know. Uh, that dominance, uh, day in, day out, win, win, win. It just seems like it's not there. And maybe it's coming. I'm sure it is. But it 
maybe it's harder now. Maybe the players' levels are just a lot closer than they were. I don't know, but it sure seems to be hard to be dominant. It really does. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Congratulations, Serena Williams, for your incredible career. Uh, thank you for blessing us with your love and passion in tennis. We're, we're so grateful to you, and and uh, we are so excited to see how you end out at the U.S. Open. We hope you win. We hope you go all the way. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Valerie. And this time I'm going to say... May all your serves be Serena. Aces. Aces. 